0: We're in a series um, that I've never done before. There's nine fruit of the Holy Spirit that Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5, and I've never just taken a word and preached on only one word each week, but we've been taking each one of those nine one at a time. Thank you to Pastor Carter, who stepped in last minute and preached last week on goodness. And that'll bring us today to faithfulness, faithfulness. Now, faithfulness is an amazing word. If you've ever been to the lobby area of the chapel over here on the Boonville side, you'll see a whole bunch of pictures up there. And it's the pictures of former pastors here at Central Assembly. This past June, we turned 116 years old as a church. But I hope we, we don't look as, as old as we really are. Um, we, and there's wonderful pastors. Some of those people are my heroes. A few towards the end have been personal acquaintances and even friends of mine. But the reason we are still here after 16 years has been the faithfulness of God, that his presence has always been a part of this place, his mission has always been at the central heart of this place, and he's been faithful to us. A church that's 116 years old has had to go probably through rebirth seasons numbers of times but he's kept us alive, he's kept renewing us when other churches may have died. And we are going strong because he's been faithful to us. But he's also, and I'm so aware of this, we're also going strong because you've been faithful. We, you know, you just look at that wall and obviously pastors come and pastors go. And some of you, Some of the people in our church have outlived numbers of those pastors. Pastors come, pastors go. But it's the faithfulness of people who just show up every week. It's the faithfulness of people who just won't stop praying for their church. It's the faithfulness of those people that have given people confidence over the years that when they bring their kids, they're gonna be well taken care of and they're gonna be invested in spiritually because there's volunteers that have just been faithful. When sometimes they don't get the thank you notes. There's people who've just been faithful with their finances and their giving. There's people who've just been faithful to be a part of the worship teams. There's people who've just been faithful to help make sure that, that ministries of outreach are taking place. We are here today because of the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of people just like you. It's not the pastors that are the heroes. It's, it's, it's everyday people who don't get enough thank you notes, but they are faithful week after week after week. And week after week after week soon adds up. Do you realize a 15-minute coffee break every day at work, Monday through Friday, adds up to a full week of paid vacation by the end of the year. It's amazing what just a little bit every day, what just a little bit every week of faithfulness does to create a movement of God. And we're here because of a faithful God and and faithful people. We pastors, we come and go. But I want to tell you, and I'm glad I didn't go two weeks ago. I'm going to, in fact, preach on that. I think... We'll be done this series, I think, the weekend of Thanksgiving weekend, that Sunday, that long weekend. I'm going to talk about some of the things I walked away with that I believe God's been speaking to me about from my experience two weeks ago. But, but uh, th- that'll be then. All I know is that he's faithful. We, we, we come and go, but he always remains. And he calls a people, he calls a community that just doesn't give up that just stays faithful week after week after week. It's part of what I love so much about all of you. So we're gonna talk about faithfulness, so much for the preamble. Let's get to the scripture. Galatians chapter 5, 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, that Pastor Carter unpacked so well last week. And today, faithfulness. Next week, I'll talk about gentleness, and then it'll be self-control before we're done. And against such things, there's no, nothing wrong with any of those things. You, you can't find fault in any of those things. No law against those. The word faithful, Paul's writing in the Greek language, the word faithful has a nuance of two different things. First of all, if you're faithful, you're trustworthy, and you're also loyal. You're trustworthy and you're loyal. You take that English word trustworthy, just divide it in half, reverse the order. It means, means that you're, you're worthy of being trusted. That Like you, you've proven that you're worthy to be trusted. That, that makes you faithful. Like people can trust you. When you say you'll do something, people can trust you're gonna do it. When you give your word, people trust you're gonna keep your word. When you make a pledge of loyalty, people trust you will stay loyal. So you're worthy of trust, and you're a person who stays loyal. And, but, but that's the problem, isn't it, with our, with our hearts? There, there are two verses back to back in the Old Testament, the prophet, the prophet Hosea in chapter six, where, 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 we ex, where we really see the problem really clearly. And in verse three of Hosea six, the prophet said, let's acknowledge the Lord In fact, let's not be casual about this. Let's press on after the Lord. Let's go for the Lord. Why? Because this is what we trust about him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. I mean, we can trust he's going to be faithful to us. We can trust this. He will appear and he will come to us like the winter rains and like the spring rains that water the earth. And so we go after a God who's worthy of our trust and we wanna be loyal to because he is trustworthy and loyal to us. He will, he will respond to us when we seek him. But the very next verse, what can I do with you Ephraim? And what can I do with you Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. So I would paraphrase those two verses in one sentence, it would be this, God's faithful but we're fickle. He said, I will come. You can trust me here. But here's the problem with you. I mean, you're just fickle. I mean, your love is like no more lasting than the dew that disappears when the sun comes up. He's faithful. But the problem is we can be fickle. And when Paul says one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives is that we become faithful people the kind of faithfulness that enriches relationships and builds churches and honors God. When he says, when when he said the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life will be that you become faithful, that's answering these two questions because Paul's not clear whether he's talking about faithfulness to God or faithfulness to each other. And so we're just gonna say both. Probably the emphasis is on faithfulness to each other and to what he's put in our hands to do, but, but it's also in doing that faithfulness to God. So the question, the two questions before us are, are, are these. Can God count on me? And, and can people count on me? Can God count on you? Can God count on you to stay loyal to him this week? Or is your heart gonna be pretty fickle? You're gonna be pretty easily lured by the lusts of our world and greed and sin. Are you gonna stay loyal to him? Can God count on you to be there when he's calling his church to move forward? And you're going to be a part of it. You're not going to be the dead weight. Can he count on you? And what about the people in your lives? What about your friends at school? Can they count on you? What about your roommates? Can your roommates count on you? Or are you stabbing them behind their back? What about your husband? What about your wife? Can they really trust you and count on you? This is... Faithfulness, faithfulness. So I I don't wanna give you like five characteristics of faithfulness. I don't wanna give you a bullet point lecture. I just wanna give you two stories. The last one will be quite short, but it'll wrap it all up. The last one will be God's story, which becomes our story. But the other story is the story of a man by the name of Barnabas, Barnabas' story. Barnabas shows up as a church member, like many of you are church members here. Uh, Barnabas shows up as a church member in the first century church. The church is very young. And uh, we're told in the Barnabas story that there was a man, he's described in Acts 11 in the New Testament, Acts 11. He, Barnabas, was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. So here's a good man. And we're talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this guy was full of the Holy Spirit and, and, and it's out of that that he was a man of faith. And we get our word faithful, actually, from that. He had faith in the trustworthiness and loyalty of God to him. He had faith in God. And then, the Holy, being full of the Holy Spirit, God began to replicate faithfulness in this man's life. So you have faith that leads to faithfulness. He, he, he in fact did not have Barnabas as his actual name. That was a nickname that his church gave to him. His real name was Joseph. But they nicknamed him Barnabas because it means a son of encouragement. Like this guy, he sticks with people. He he lifts people up. You could count on this guy. And so he's nicknamed Barnabas. And we will see Barnabas being faithful, first of all, to God, and then faithful to his friends in some really powerful ways. And first of all, he's faithful to God, and I know you might not like this, but he's faithful to God with money, with his giving. He, he lived out a kind of faithfulness to God by taking what was in his wallet and what was in his bank account and literally giving it away, which is unthinkable for many people in our culture today. Charitable giving is largely on the decline in America across the board. We, we, we have inflation and we have clutchiness, we have both. But here, here is Barnabas, the first time he's introduced to us, he's giving his money away. So this is Acts 4. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called, there's his nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that he owned, and he bought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now, how on earth does that show faithfulness to God? Well, we've got to go back to what Jesus taught us. I'd like to take you here just to Luke chapter 6. We'll come back to Acts. But in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says this, the one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. It's like, it's like you can't bifurcate faithfulness. It's like, well, part of me is faithful, part of me is not. He said, um, he said the very little would generally be the testing grounds for your faithfulness. And if you can't be faithful with a little bit, don't live by the myth like, well, I'll be faithful when I have more. When I have more, then I'll do this or that. When I have more time, then I'll serve God. When I have more money, then I'll give to his work. When I have more. no. Jesus said, that's a myth. That, you, you, that's self-delusion. When you have more, uh, then you'll be faithful. He said, you, you're faithful in a little. And when you're faithful there, that's the sign that you're made of the stuff of faithfulness that'll help you be faithful with a lot. If then you have not been faithful in, and he's really specific. Here's where he starts talking about money. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? So Jesus draws this very troubling parallel. He said the way you handle money is gonna be the testing ground of faithfulness in your life. The way you handle money is gonna be the testing ground for greater things that God would wanna commit to you. It's greater things that he wants to cause you to participate in uh, because he wants to know you're faithful. And faithfulness is gonna be proven, for instance, with how you handle money. Now, he doesn't say this about our time. He doesn't say this, if you schedule every day right, then I'll give you more responsibility. But he says it uniquely about money. Why? Well, he explains it in the very next verse. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and he will despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So you gotta put that whole package of what he's teaching about faithfulness together. And he says, here's what's true, even beyond of time or anything else. Money is the one that has thing that most competes with God. It has almost godlike status. It wants to be your security. Money wants to be your, your provision. Money wants to be your identity. Where God wants to be your security. God wants to be your provision. God wants to be your identity. And so he said, you have to choose. What are you going to be loyal to? Are you going to be loyal to money, or are you going to be loyal to me, Jesus is saying? And and because money has such power to control our lives, um, Jesus said, "You, you you can't really have both. And so I'm going to be watching how faithful you are with your money to see what I can entrust you with. You see, money is not the point, but it is the test. Money's not the point. And I, res- I can have my moments to resent that. You know, my money's mine, God. Stay out of how I w- want to spend my money. But God says, I own everything. And you, you need, my, my wallet has a lot of things in it, including my driver's license and things, and it has a few dollars in it and a few credit cards. I mean, but God says, I took all that when you gave your life to me. And then I entrust it back to you. And I want to see if you are trustworthy to manage it as if it belonged to me and not to you. And I'm watching Jesus said. And I'm not saying, first of all, I'm not saying this, Jesus is saying this, and our church budget is doing just fine, thank God, thanks to your faithfulness in giving, so that's not why I'm talking about this today. And if you really enjoyed the service and you want to send a few dollars in afterwards, I mean, you can do that, but we don't consider giving to the work of God as sort of paying admission for a concert that you enjoyed. It's not an admission price. It's not It's not because you enjoyed something. It's because it belongs to God and money becomes the testing ground for our faithfulness to him. The point, so money's not the point. The point is our loyalty and it's giving that guides the way. The point is my loyalty to Jesus because I ought to decide who I'm going to serve. And so... And so we say, Jesus, I'm loyal to you, but I would never give a cent to your work. The money is mine. Somehow that's the disconnect. And Jesus said, you've got to decide who you serve. So we use a benchmark of the tithe, 10%. It's a great benchmark. It's a principle all the way throughout the Old Testament. It's consistent. With all the teaching on generosity in the New Testament, it's a baseline. I've done this from the time I was young, 10%. You may gulp twice over that, and you may resent hearing this, but I want to tell you, I stood right down there a, a while back, right in the middle of that row after service and talked to a guy, and he said, my wife and I decided to finally get our money in line with our hearts and submit it to God and get our financial life in order. And Pastor, a few weeks ago, we started tithing, and... You know, I admired the guy's courage. And it's not just that he was given to the church. He was giving this to God to say, God, everything's from you. And I wanna be faithful with what you've given me. This is where we find Barnabas. And he also told me stories. I began to go on and tell me how, how a few miracles had happened in the last few weeks. They didn't think they could afford to tithe, but God's been providing for them. Because God's faithful, right? And it's amazing things happen when our faithfulness lines up with God's faithfulness. I mean, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that. When our faithfulness lines up with God's faithfulness, stuff happens. That's how his work progresses in the world. And so we start with our tithes and then our offerings. You're given to Footprint Fund. That's why we can send a team like this to Thailand. That's why we support all missionaries all over the world. I mean, thank God for your generosity. That's faithfulness. And it's interesting, in Barnabas, the writer of Scripture, I mean, in God's sovereign, sovereign inspiring of of, of the book of Acts, he had our first introduction to a really spirit-filled, faith-filled guy to be him giving away his money. And I don't think we ought to just jump over that because it gets awkward to talk about. I challenge you to submit your life, your finances to Jesus. Put him first and watch what happens. You become faithful with the one thing that Jesus said competes with me. People's passion and love and loyalty to their money. And and you'll be completely realigning your life. So I just challenge you to do that as we talk about faithfulness. And he says, this is gonna be a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit to help you do that. I'm not guilting you into this or anything. This is about your heart and about your walk with Jesus and the Holy Spirit will help you back with that. But the other part of Barnabas' life, which I absolutely love, is, is that Barnabas was not only faithful to God in giving, but he was faithful to a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul in friendship. So, so you know, God wants to make you faithful to the people around you too. And, and Barnabas just shines here. Now, the Apostle Paul... His name was originally Saul, and he was sort of Hamas to the early church. (laughs) He was the Osama bin Laden to the early church. I mean, get, get this. Paul, Saul, was a Jewish religious leader who so hated Jesus and so hated Christians that he was literally dragging Christians out of their homes in the middle of the night. He was torturing them to force them to blaspheme and curse Jesus and he was killing them. He was doing everything we saw Hamas do to those Jews a few weeks ago. I mean, this was Saul. And he, he wasn't content with doing this in Jerusalem. He, he headed up to Damascus in Syria, and, and he was on his way, and Jesus confronted him. Jesus said, why, Saul, are you persecuting me? Why are you doing, it? and he has a radical, life-changing encounter with Jesus. And he pledges his loyalty to Jesus. He puts his trust in Jesus who died on the cross for him to wash away his sin. And Paul will later say, you know, the fact Jesus forgave me, how to tell all of you he can forgive anything in any of you. If he could save me, the worst of sinners, he can save any of you. And he came to that saving encounter with Jesus. You don't wanna do this without the saving encounter with Jesus. And he turns around and stays in Damascus a while, and there comes a point where he goes back to Jerusalem. And in Luke, uh, in Acts, I mean, Luke writes this, in Acts 9, 26, when he saw, came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. I mean, if Osama bin Laden joined, our, if he's still alive, joined our church, you know, so I'm a Christian now, oh, I would scratch my head i say, like, all you want to know is the names and addresses of other Christians so that uh, you can terrorize them too. They thought Saul was just trying to infiltrate the church to get information on where more Christians lived so he could find them and kill them. So obviously they didn't believe him. But one guy is going to stand up for Paul. This is amazing. One guy. But Barnabas took him... And brought him to the apostles. He was getting nowhere with the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. They were all keeping their distance. They did not trust him. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord. And that the Lord had spoken to him. And how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. What if some of you in school, I mean, what if you're watching one of your friends get bullied? You know, it takes a lot of courage to be the only person to stand up to that kid who's getting bullied because you're going to have popular opinion go against you. You are risking your reputation in the eyes of a lot of other people. Well, let's reverse it. Now the bully is turning out to be the bad guy and nobody wants to trust him. But Barnabas is willing to stick his neck out. Look, this is what friends do, they, they stick up for one another. They, if you're fickle, you know, you're just going to write your friends off at the first rumor you hear. But faithfulness in our friendships means we stand up for one another unless, unless they prove that they truly can't be trusted. Otherwise, we're going to give people the benefit of the doubt if we're faithful to them. We're, we're going to stand up for them. We're going to, even if it's going to make us unpopular in the office, we're going to stand up for the person who's experiencing injustice. We're going to stay faithful to people and loyal. And then over the next numbers of months um, and years, because Saul had been persecuting Christians, they'd been running and heading north. And they end up starting, these Christians fleeing persecution, started a church in Antioch. Way If you go way up the Mediterranean coast, way north, you hit Antioch. And they started this, what became an amazing church. In fact, the center of gravity of the church, early church, eventually moved from Jerusalem to Antioch, became a great church. And after the apostles in Jerusalem found out about what was happening in Antioch, uh, they sent Barnabas. They sent Barnabas out there. They're trusted guy. We're going to send the son of encouragement. We can count on that guy. He's full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and he's faithful. We can count on this guy. So they sent him up there. And... Uh, and he checks out what's happened, a revival's happened. Meanwhile, Saul had gone back to his hometown in, in, uh, in uh, Tarsus. I was going to say Troas, Tarsus, which is right where those earthquakes happened in Turkey a couple of months ago. And what does Barnabas do in Acts 11.25? Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And he found him. So he leaves the revival in Antioch. He goes to Tarsus and he looks for him. It's like he didn't already have his address. you got to try to find the guy. And he looks for Paul. And, and he's still called Saul at that point. And when he found him, what did he do? He brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. That term Christian, it came from Antioch. During the time that Barnabas gave Saul his first church staff position. I got a wonderful staff here. And I love them all. And I hired most of them. But I want to tell you, uh, this was an amazing moment, a strategic moment. Barnabas goes looking for Saul. Saul and brings them to be a part of this amazing work in Antioch, where they so begin to affect the city, where the name Christian took on, a Christian. It was an insult, actually. But these are the little Christ, the Christians, the followers of the crucified guy. How shameful is that? But that's where the name, this church became so powerful. And Barnabas gave Paul his first apposition, because, because you see, friendship, when we're faithful in our friendships, we not only stand up for each other, but we believe in each other, and we invest in each other. I mean, we're not fickle. We, 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 and sometimes it takes hard work to make sure you've got a good group of friends around you. That's why we've got small groups and classes at night. I mean, it, I mean, it, it's very important to do your homework to make sure you've got people around you. I'm so glad I had people around me who prayed for me, like all of you, uh, the last couple of weeks. And and we, we, we just need to do our homework. But, but listen, when you have people around you, you stay faithful to them and you believe in them and you verbalize their potential to them. And you say, I can see God's hand on you. I can see you doing this. And you know, and when you did that, that encouraged me a lot because, and, and you're specific with them. We, we do these things. We believe in people and we make investments in them. We, this is what, I mean, Barnabas just brought Paul under his arm and, and mentored him in his church staff first church staff position. And, and then they go out together, Paul and Barnabas are called by the Holy Spirit to, to go out on Paul's first missionary journey. And they go up into the heart of present-day Turkey and they go to a place called Lystra. And a man is miraculously healed as Paul prayed for him. And, uh, and verse 11 of Acts 14, when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in, in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to him in human form. Of course, they were all into Greek mysticism and, and, and Greek mythology. The gods have come down. And so they called Barnabas Zeus. And Paul they called Hermes, who was Zeus's son, Hermes. Because he was the chief speaker. Hermes was one of the 12 Olympian gods. And he was like the spokesperson for the Olympian gods. He was like the mouth, among other things, Hermes. And so they called Paul Hermes. Why? Because Paul was the upfront guy now. Paul was doing all the talking. Paul was doing all the preaching. And my heart always winces as a leader a little bit right there, because I know how that can feel. I mean, the people you're investing in become better than you. And then your ego and your insecurity comes. And you start doing like wrong, irrational things to, to somehow put that guy down. You know, some of us, we can't feel good about ourselves unless we put someone else down. What a terrible way to feel good about yourself. And, and he does this irrational stuff. That's not Barnabas. Barnabas say, yeah, I'm glad he does most of the preaching now. I'm glad of that. Because now Paul was rising to the spotlight. Reminds me of John the Baptist. When Jesus showed up, John the Baptist said, I must decrease but Jesus must increase. And, and Barnabas is going like, that's his heart. He wasn't going to give up just because a friend that he had invested in started getting the spotlight in a way he didn't. He doesn't give up on his friend at work just because that guy got the promotion. And I feel jealous and envious and resentful that I didn't get it. So I'm going to I'm going to somehow punish my friend because uh, my insecurity can't handle it. No, that's not part of this. Listen, we're talking about a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that can cause us to be faithful. You see, faithful friends stand up for us. Faithful friends, they believe in us. Faithful friends, they invest in us. And faithful friends, they cheer us on. They cheer us on. This is what faithful friends do. So here we come back to the question, can God count on me? And can the people in my life count on me? Can God count on me? And can the people in my life count on me? Right after Paul says the fruit of the Spirit, one of them is faithfulness, he says, so let's, if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And we truly can do this because we're really not just talking about a Barnabas story or your story. We're talking about the God story, which, which can become our story. I'd like to invite our worship team to come up. But if you just stay focused on, on this verse right here. It's Psalm 146, verse six. And I have to, I have to tell you, Not everybody's been able to rely on me throughout my life. I know what a fickle heart's like. I know my own need for God's spirit to make me faithful. But here's what we do trust about our God. He's faithful. In fact, Psalm 146.6, he is the maker of heaven and earth. Let's let's start at ground zero. We're here because of him, because he's the creator. And he's the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. And he remains faithful forever. He just remains faithful forever. I mean, his faithfulness doesn't give out. His faithfulness isn't fickle. He doesn't say he made heaven and earth and he remains faithful in a fickle way. No, he remains faithful in a forever way. And he's just faithful. Because he made us. He created it all. And he is just flat-out faithful. He's worthy of all of our trust and all of our loyalty. He's worthy of that. And that's the starting point for all of us today, to decide who you're loyal to or what you're loyal to. I guarantee you're serving something or someone. And you start right there. What if we put our trust and loyalty in the one who is forever faithful? Faithful and the creator of everything. We put our faith and trust there. Now I'd like to put these last two verses just on the screen for you side by side. One under the other. Because when now we go into the New Testament, Psalms was written in the Old Testament, but the New Testament begins with Jesus coming. God sending his son Jesus to die in our place for our sin. And as we sang this morning, to rise again. And the life we can have in Jesus. And it says in 1 Corinthians 1, nine, God is faithful. God is faithful. So, he's called you and me, not first to be a missionary or to be a doctor or to be a teacher, but he's called us to fellowship with his son. That's a friendship word, fellowship. That's an intimate word. That's, he has called us to share life with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. My, my life in Jesus this week will be just be enjoying life in Jesus and relying on him, not, not feeling stressed out like, can I do enough to make him love me and all of that rotten stuff that just wears you out. It's, it's fellowship with Jesus. And that's where God, because he's faithful, he said, My son who died in your place and rose again, I want you to come and I want you to have fellowship with him. I want you to live his presence, live his spirit. Because God the Father isn't the only one who's faithful. But Hebrews 3 says, and Christ is faithful, who's the son over God's house. And so we can be faithful to him. God's spirit can work in your life. I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're faithful. It all starts with you, our creator. We thank you for this. And we just are inviting you now as your presence has filled this place in worship. We're just inviting you now, right now. We pray, God, that there'll just be fresh loyalty to you in our lives, that we'll be faithful to you. We pray we'll be the people by your spirit that we can that you can count on us, Lord. I pray, God, if it's breaking the the love of money by putting you first with our giving, I pray you'll start there. Maybe it's starting somewhere else. Maybe it's secret sin in our life. We need to finally let go of and bring to you and submit to you our obedience. My God, wherever it is, help us, Lord, to trust you and stay loyal to you. Would you work that in us by your Spirit? Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And then, Father, we pray you'll help us with our relationships. We invite you into our families, into our friendships. We invite you into our working partnerships. We invite you into our life groups and our Sunday school classes and our prayer groups. We invite you in. My God, that everybody else in that group will find in us someone who they can count on. My God, keep us faithful. Keep us faithful to serve your church. Keep us faithful at your work. Keep us faithful, Lord, day after day, week after week. And we thank you for it. Praise God. And if any of us, Lord, just need your forgiveness, we, we don't know what friendship with Jesus is. We pray you'll forgive us right now of all of our sin. We pray you'll forgive us for being unfaithful to you, Lord. We pray you'll come in. We say yes to you. Say yes to your presence, yes to fellowship with you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the work of your spirit in our lives. I'd like you to stand with me, if you would.